Let us open up our Bibles to the book of Leviticus chapter 6. Open up our Bibles to the book of Leviticus. That's in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 6. We're going to be reading two portions of scripture. Amen. And I'm going to try to get you all out of here by 5 o'clock this evening. Amen. Get you home for dinner. You know, church, um, back in the day, amen. Come on, somebody. Back in the day, I know that when my wife first started coming to church when she was a young girl, amen, I already came. I, I came when church got chopped up, cut up, and everything was happening, edited, you know, with time. We had two-hour services, uh, three-hour services, because we had Sunday school. Amen. But my wife and some others can attest that they would go to church in the morning, and then they would leave for lunch, and then they would have to come back. Amen. And you went to hell if you didn't come back. They literally took you there. Amen. You had to come back. You better hope nothing happened to your car when you left the gates to go get something to eat. Amen. A lot of people just played it safe and stayed there and ate there. But back in the day before that, you know, they went to church in the morning and they weren't home until late at night. Church lasted 12 15 20 hours back in the day we're gonna do that one of these days we're gonna have a lock-in amen i'm gonna need some ushers brother ralph to help out my ushers because we're gonna have to contain people amen book of leviticus chapter 6 verses 12 and 13 the bible says this The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. The fire shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. And lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar it shall never go out amen would you turn with me now to the book of acts chapter 2 acts chapter 2 starting in verse 1 we're going to be reading to verse 4 In Leviticus, Moses gave the commandment to Aaron and his sons that the fire should never go out. The fire in the altar should always be lit. And here we find in the New Testament on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting then appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and sat upon each of them and they were all filled with a holy ghost as the and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit of god gave them the utterance Amen. Just for a little bit, I want to teach on this topic this morning. On a fire that keeps on burning. Amen. On a fire that keeps on burning. Father, we love you and we appreciate you, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord, for the manifestation of your spirit in this place. Lord, you know the need and you know the desire in everybody's heart that is in here in this place today, Lord. And I pray that your spirit would be quickened. And their life today, mighty God, that a fire would be lit for all to see, Lord, and that that fire would be contagious. 
Almighty God, and I pray that you would anoint every heart and every ear that is ready to receive your word. The ground is ready for you to deposit a seed into our life, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. A fire that keeps on burning. Amen. One of the most exciting and, and uh, uh, powerful things that uh, happened on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, on the book of Acts, was that the Bible says that the entire, that everybody that was inside of that room on that day, everybody that was there, everybody that was, that was devoted, uh, uh, everybody that was faithful, everybody that, that said, yes, God, I'll follow you, I'll serve you with all of my heart, with all of my mind, and with all of my soul. The Bible says that there was 120 of those believers and followers, amen, in, in the upper room. And the Bible says that on that day, the day of Pentecost, that every head had a flame of fire that stood upon it as the Spirit of God came through that place as of a rushing mighty wind. Amen. And today I want to say that I truly believe with all of my heart and with all of my mind and with all of my soul, I truly believe this, that one of our greatest failures as, as believers, that one of our fa uh, greatest failures as, as Christians, as believers, and as, as followers is that God gives us this flame. He gives it to us. We, we come to God and we, we devote our life to God and we, we say, God, I'm here. And, 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 and we open up our heart to God and we open up our mind and we open up our, our lives and, and, and we come to God and God gives us the Holy Ghost. He, he fills us with power from on high and, and He gives us a fire. He gives us that flame. He fills us with the, the power and the, the glory of the Holy Ghost because the Bible says that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What kind of power, Pastor? Well, the, the kind of power to, to turn away from your old life. The, the kind of power to, to say no to sin. The kind of power to, to live a good and faithful and honest and loyal life to God. We need that power, otherwise we, we fall into temptation and, and the enemy can just come and, and say what he wants and do what he wants. Uh, we need that power operating in our life. Amen. And so I truly believe that, that one of the greatest failures is that, that God gives you that power and he, he gives you that fire and he, he puts his spirit inside of you uh, that, 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 that we're responsible. We've, we're now responsible to tending to that fire. Amen. Now you and I become responsible to, to keep that flame lit in our life. It's our responsibility, sister. It's, it's our responsibility. It's my responsibility to keep the fire inside of me lit and burning and, and on fire all the time for God. And it's my wife's responsibility and hers and hers alone to keep that fire lit and, and bright and burning and hot inside of her. It's her responsibility. And in the book of Leviticus, we find a portion of scripture where, where the priests at that time were, were responsible, amen, for, for removing the ash, amen, for removing the ash of the altar, for, for removing the ash, amen, that would accumulate from the, the sacrifices. The, the priests of that time were responsible to, to go in, amen, to where the brazen altar was and, uh, and to open up the compartment uh, there and, uh, and to bring out all of the ash and, and to take out all of the old and uh, to take out the waste uh, and to take out all of what was expired uh, that was in that little compartment uh, so that they could make room for new wood and for new fire. It was the responsibility of the priest. 
It was the responsibility of the individual that was there uh, to go and to make the sacrifice and to, and to put in the work and, uh, and to go and, and to be dressed a certain way uh, and, and to go and open up the compartment and, uh, and to scoop out the ashes, amen, and uh, to put them there and, uh, and to go and do exactly what God wanted them to do uh, so that they can bring in the fresh wood. Uh, they can bring in the fresh timber. They can bring in the fresh uh, lumber so that there could be a fire that would, that would be able to burn up whatever was coming next. Amen. And that was the responsibility of the priest back in, in the Old Testament. And can I tell somebody today that is, as, as priests of our homes, amen, men, I'm speaking to you right now if you're married. Men of your homes, you are the priest of your house. You are responsible for, for removing the old ash. You're responsible for taking out the old wood. You're responsible to put in the work to go into those places where nobody wants to go and reload that thing and put new wood uh, and put new kindle and put new fire in there so that God can reign in that house. And for those of you sisters that are that are single mothers, uh, amen, and don't have a, a, a manly priest, you are the priest of your home. And just the same way that we don't see that they had the responsibility back then uh, to, to make sure there was fresh fire, to make sure that the ashes were removed. Uh, you, sister, if you're the priest of your home, uh, it is your responsibility uh, to put in the work uh, and to go into those compartments, uh, to go into those places, uh, those dark places, uh, and remove the ash of your life uh, and put new wood in there so that the fire can burn. Because remember, we no longer have to present a sacrifice to the priests for our behalf. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 16. The Bible says to let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we, you and I, may obtain mercy and find grace. In time of need. Amen. We no longer have to go to a priest and, and confess. Uh, we no longer have to go to a priest uh, and tell them to forgive us. Amen. Uh, or to push back our sin. Uh, the Bible says that the, the mantle, the curtain was broken in two. Amen. Uh, and gave us access to God Almighty. Uh, so each and every one of you that sits here today, uh, if you desire to keep your fire burning, uh, if you desire to have God raining hot in your life, uh, then it's up to you. Uh, to push through the veil of life, uh, to push through the veil of your flesh, uh, and to go before the throne uh, and say, God, I need you. Uh, God, I can't do it without you. God, I need you in my life. We have that access now, you and I. Amen. You and I are now keepers of this flame. We're now keepers of this flame. So it is our responsibility to, pro to provide fuel for that fire. It's, a, it's our responsibility to get rid of the trash. Amen. Can somebody say amen? It's our responsibility to, to get rid of that trash. Amen. To get rid of anything that threatens to quench or hinder the fire that God has given to us. We have to see it every day. The same way you take out your trash in your kitchen it's the same way we got to take out the trash of our lives amen and we have to do it on a daily basis don't invite me over your house to eat if you ain't taking out the trash hallelujah they're trying to eat some tacos and flies flies everywhere And that's how some of our lives are. Amen. That's how some of our lives are. That we're good about throwing out the trash and keeping the house clean and cleaning the windows and the house smells like bleach when you walk in. Ah, I burned your faith. Amen. But... 
but your life is all full of trash. Some sisters know what I'm talking about. There's some sisters here. You walk into their house and you got to wear eye goggles and everything because they use so much bleach. I said, whoa, what's that? Hey, man, that's a clean house. But how about the temple? How about the temple? How about the temple that God desires to dwell in? Amen. And so it's our responsibility to take out the trash. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's time to take out the trash. Tell him again. Take out the trash, brother. Take out the trash, sister. Don't look over there. Look next to you, not across the room. Man, I saw somebody over there. Hey, take out your trash. I know. Amen. 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 It's time for us to take out our trash. Tell somebody, it's time to get off your ash. Say the right word. I know we're online. For those of you visiting for the first time, amen. But somebody say, hey, tell your neighbor, it's time to get off your ash. Amen. It's all right. It's time to get off your ash, brother. It's time to get off your ash, sister. You know I don't curse in the world because otherwise it would have already slipped. It comes out natural for me. Amen. Say that again. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, get off your ash. We got some people that are walking around all ashy. Amen. Everybody's looking at their knees and their elbows and their feet. Amen. They're covering themselves up. But some people spiritually are walking around ashy. And God wants you to remove the ash from your life. Remove it already. You know, we want to store the ash. And keep it there. And hold on to it. Maybe I'll use it later for what? What you going to do? What are you going to do with it? It's ash. It's trash. You going to put some water in it and make some crayons? It's time to get rid of the ash of our life. You know, I remember several years ago, Brother Howard, we were getting together some men. You know, we, we love to get together, and, and we went to one of the brothers' house, and we showed up. He had a big house, nice house, and it was during the wintertime. And we got there, and, and you know, we, we showed up, and we knew we were going we to get into God's Word. Somebody was going to bring a Bible study and, and share a word with us, and then we were going to eat because, you know, we love to eat. Can you say amen? Amen, and, and, and there's got to be food, and, and we got to eat, and, and we were inside, and, and we were eating, and we were fellowshipping, and we were talking about the word that the brother had brought forth, and we were just chewing it up, and everybody was adding to it, amen, and our faith was being built up in that fellowship, amen, and so we were there, and one of the brothers says, hey, let's make some coffee and go outside around the fire, and I said, hey, amen, some coffee and some fire and some pan dulce, amen, they had some pan dulce, sister, Amen. And, and so we were there and we got the coffee ready and, and I got my pandulce and I went outside, me and all the brothers, we went outside to the backyard and this brother had a big old fire pit and a big old pile of wood next to it, but there was no fire. And so we all kind of just gathered around this pit that had no fire in it. And we're looking at each other, it was cold. And I was there, and I'm a big guy. I'm like a polar bear. It takes a lot to get me shivering. And I was out there. I was with my, my cup of coffee and biting my pan dulce, and I'm looking around. Everybody's looking at each other, and we're looking down at the pit, and we're looking at everybody, and we're looking at the pit, and we're looking at everybody, and, and we're looking at But it didn't matter how much we looked at it. There wasn't going to be no fire until somebody put in the work. 
Amen? There wasn't going to be no fire. We were going to stand around that thing freezing, staring at that cold dirt. And it didn't matter how long we looked at it. It didn't matter how long we thought about it. Nothing was happening. There was no fire. Nobody got warm. Amen. There were no marshmallows being roasted. Amen. Nothing was going to happen until somebody went and put some timber inside of that thing and put a match to it and flamed it or blew on it. You know, we, when we, we, we'll get our paper plates to try to get the fire to go. Or we cut a piece of cardboard. Or here comes Larry with a big old gallon of gas from far. Nothing was going to happen. No fire was going to happen. Nobody was going to warm themselves. Uh, No marshmallows were going to get roasted until somebody put some fire to the wood. And so the same is true for you and I. The same is true for you and I. You and I, we have to feed the fire. We have to add the kindling. We have to pour the fluid. We have to add the flame. You got to put the word. You the wood. You got to put in the work. You got to make the sacrifice. Somebody had to step out and do the work. And so it's our responsibility to, if God has given you that fire, it's your responsibility to keep that flame lit. It's your responsibility. You know, I don't push my wife to pray. I don't threaten her. I don't drag her to church. I don't do nothing. Why? Because she has to tend to her own fire. Oh, give somebody, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Amen. And so the question is always asked. Okay, pastor, the, the word of God is telling us to do something. How do we do it, pastor? How do we do it? Well, one, when you build a fire, who knows how to build a fire? I'm terrible at building fires. You know, one day, brother, I had this, this old, before my wife upgraded me, I had this old little Weber that I'm, I'm trying to hand it down to my son-in-law, but he don't want it. Got a, a Weber grill. Amen. The, remember the old school ones, the black ones with the red lid, with the little turn thing on the top to let the air in and out and all that stuff? And... Uh, you know, one day I told my wife, I says, I'm going to cook some burgers. Or we were going to do something on the grill. We had all the kids over. And uh, I opened it up. And I think it was during the summertime. So it was hot. I really didn't want to be outside. And so I, I lifted it up. And I saw that half of it was full of ash from the prior barbecue. And you know what I did? I took off the screen on the top. And I threw the bag, that the match light. And I threw it on top of the ash. And I slit the bag and I lit it on fire and I walked inside my house. And you know, normally you could just look out the window and see a big old flame of fire, right? Then you kind of go outside until it's kind of low. I kept looking and I never saw nothing. And then the last time I looked out the window, I saw a bunch of smoke. And I was like, man, what's going on? What's happening? I went out there and I saw that that new fire was being suffocated by the ash. And I thought, to, and you know what? I was being lazy, Brother Ralph. I even got the bag and I moved the ash to the side and made a, and put it in there and it was worse. And by that time I was angry. I think I was telling my, why don't we just cook the burgers inside? Why do I got to be outside for? You know, all of a sudden everything's our wife's fault when it goes wrong in our life. Amen. Amen, sisters? 
Amen. It's our fault. We're lazy and it's their fault. We blame it on them. Amen. Uh-huh. And so, and so what I ended up having to do was to take the bag out and take all the ash out and put it in a box to throw it away. And then I put it, and in a matter of minutes, brother, I had a flame that was so high, it drew me inside. I had to move it away from the window so it wouldn't burn the screen. Now, I know that sounds funny. But some of us are trying to light a fire in our life, and it won't happen until you remove the old. Until you take out the old, until you take out anger, until you take out bitterness, until you take out past hurts, until you take out all those things. All you're doing is trying to light a fire in a bunch of ash. Amen. And so you have to do the first thing to do to light a fire is you got to kindle it. And the kindling is the word of God. The kindling is the, it's the word of God. And then after you got that good kindle in there, you got that, you got that spark and you got a little bit of flame. Uh, then you can, you, then you, then you, you have to go uh, and you have to, to, to pray. You put the kindle and then you pray and your prayer is the fire. And some of us don't like to pray. Amen. We don't want to go before the Lord. We don't, we don't want to pray. We pray for our meal real quick, five, ten seconds. But, but I'm talking about a fervent prayer that's going to call down fire from heaven. Amen. And it's not until we pray that we start to burn everything out and we start to remove the ash from our life. It's, it's prayer. It's through prayer that changes a man. It's prayer that changes a woman. It's prayer that transforms. It's prayer. Prayer is the fire. Amen. The Bible says that the 120 were upstairs and they prayed for how long? They prayed until. I love that word. You see, you know, you put your child in timeout. And how long do I got to be here? Until I say so. Amen. You know, when, when my kids were young and they were in school and they would act up or whatever, and we, I would take their cell phones away from them. How long am I getting it taken away? Until I feel like giving it back. And sometimes I would forget. And they're like, hey, honey, we've been, you know, we're paying for that phone like four months. It's still on the shelf. Can they get it back? Oh, we haven't given back to them yet. Yeah, go ahead. Give it back. You can have your phone back. Four months later. Because you know what? They knew. I'm not going to approach dad to ask for my stuff because I always told him if you come and ask for it, I'm going to keep it longer. And so they, man, they were obedient. I love my kids. Amen. But no, the, the, the Lord told them, pray until. Pray until you're endowed with fire from on high. And so how long should I pray, pastor? Until the fire falls from heaven and consumes you. That's how long. And so you got to read your word. You got to you got to study your word. You got to have some you got to praise and you got to worship and you, and you got to speak in tongues. I know a lot of people don't like to speak in tongues and, and you're embarrassed and you do this and you don't have to be the loudest. Uh, get into your closet and speak in that unknown language that the enemy doesn't know that you're saying. Just you and God and watch God move. Uh, watch that fire fall. Uh, sing in tongues, worship in tongues. Uh, you have to get out outside of yourself to receive something from God tell somebody get out get outside of yourself tell somebody it ain't about you always about them I can't do it because of this I can't do it but get out stop it pray 
Pray in the Holy Ghost and watch that power come and remove those things from your life. You know, the first thing I ask people when I'm talking to them, I ask them, how's your prayer life? That's the first question I ask. How's your prayer life? Oh. Um, we'll pray at church on Sundays for half an hour before service. Yeah, we pray at church. We pray on Fridays too. But you got to have your own fire time with God. You got to have your own prayer time with God. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's give God a round of applause, church. Amen. And so the scripture tells us of a man by the name of Joab. Amen. This is a powerful portion of scripture. The Bible speaks of a man by the name of Joab. Amen. And uh, he had a very important job this man did. He had a very important job. Amen. The Bible lets us to know that he was the keeper of the king's oil. Amen. He was the keeper of the, the king's oil. Amen. He was actually down in the cellar where nobody knew where he was at. Amen. He, he wasn't in the spotlight. He wasn't in the limelight. Amen. As a matter of fact, when, when David and his army came back into Jerusalem, amen, and, and he finally reigned over his kingdom after many, many years of, of battling, amen, he brought his army in off the field, and it was a time of recompense for them, amen, and, 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 and uh, certain jobs were handed out, amen, these, these soldiers were getting these, these jobs, amen, uh, within the kingdom, within the city, amen, and some were government jobs, and some were city councilmen, and, and some were this, and some were that somewhere in the courts and somewhere in in the county and somewhere all this and all that and they're all sitting in a room and they're being called up one name after another and and all these good positions and I can imagine Joab in the back just sitting there like man evaluating himself of how good he was on the battlefield he was good enough to come back home after all those battles that he had with King David so he was sure that he was going to get a a good job he was sure that he was going to get blessed with a high-ranking position in the kingdom of Jerusalem and so all these he started to see that all the good positions started to go away and and go away and then go away and go away and he's sitting there I can imagine the the anxiety in this man's uh, uh, heart what was happening and he's probably getting frustrated like man I was a better soldier than that guy how come I can't get that position or one better amen and so he's there and he's there and then finally it came to his name and they they told him Joab stand up and Joab stands up and he thinks he's going to get this powerful position out in the open with everybody in the limelight lights camera action amen and he thought he was going to be the one amen he thought he was going to be the man and they told him Joab you're going to be the keeper of the oil and he thought to himself well where am I going to work at They said, you're going to work in the cellar. You're going to work underground where nobody's going to see you. You're going to work in the cellar where all the roaches are at uh, and where it's dark and where it's humid and where it's smelly. That's where you're going to work. You're going to be a keeper, the keeper of the king's oil. And you know, at first, it wasn't very significant. It wasn't a big, a big thing, you know, because a lot of people, they, they want to be out front and center. Uh, they want their names uh, uh, told from behind the pulpit. Uh, they they want to be the one that everybody comes to and talks to. Uh, they, oh, they want to be the one holding the mic uh, or holding the pastor's briefcase. Can you say amen? But not this guy. This guy was under the building. But you know what? As I continue to read this story, I saw God started to show me that he had the most important job in the entire city. Why? Because he was the keeper of the king's oil. And for those of you that don't know anything about the king's oil, amen, this oil was used for almost everything. And every time the king's household needed oil, who did they go to? They went to Joab. 
Whenever somebody in the city needed oil, they went to Joab. Whenever somebody needed oil in their house, they went to Joab. Whenever they needed oil in the school, they went to Joab. Whenever they needed to keep the street lights lit, they went to Joab. Whenever you wanted to keep your house lit, they went to Joab. Why? Because he was the keeper of the oil. And it was necessary for cooking. It was necessary to keep the house lit. It was necessary to keep the lamps burning throughout the night for all the city to see. And that's what you and I are today. We are keepers of the king's oil. We're keepers of the king's oil. You see, when people are sick, who do they call? When people have a need, who do they call? They call the church. They call the brothers. They call the sisters. Pastor, can you pray for us? Sister, why? Because you are the keeper of the king's oil. Amen. And so because we are keepers of the king's oil, that means that we need to make sure that the oil is always available. Amen. You ever gone to the market to buy something only to find out you got in your car, you drove all the way over there, and they don't have it? Toilet paper during COVID? Huh? Only to find out that the shelves were empty, meat was gone, cup of noodles no more. Amen. Our son lives on cup of noodles. I was at all kinds of stores looking for cup of noodles. And it had to be specific ones, which made it harder. Make them a sandwich. Amen. Amen. But, but we, we have, as keepers of the oil, check this out, as keepers of the oil, you and I, we have to make sure that the oil is always available. We got to make sure there's always oil in our lives. Because you don't know when you're going to have to go pray for somebody. You don't know when somebody needs light in their house. You don't know when somebody's going to need light in their house. You don't know when somebody's going to need light in their life. And so we always have to have the oil available, always available, ready at any given time. Can you pray for me? Yes, I'm ready to go pray for you. Why? Because you're prayed up and you're full of oil. We have to make sure that the oil is always available and we need to make sure that the oil is always fresh. We have to make sure that the oil is always fresh. You know, oil, it smells bad when it's not fresh. Now, I know you sisters, you ladies that cook. I don't do a lot of cooking. I'm, my wife, oh my God, she cooks like nobody's business. When she gets to baking, the house gets to shaking. He knows. Amen. And so... The oil always has to be available. It's always got to be fresh and free from contamination. It's always got to be free. The oil, the oil has to always be free of contamination. We don't want to give out contaminated oil. We don't want to give out oil that has no power. That has no use. That's not going to turn on nothing. Amen. And the Bible says this in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 10 and verse 1. The Bible says, dead flies putrefy. The perfumers is ointment and causes it to give off a foul odor. That word putrefy means decay or rot. The Bible says dead flies putrefy, dead flies decay, 
and rot the perfumer's ointment and it causes it to give off a foul odor. And so in other words, what the Bible is saying right here is that the dead things, amen, the carnal things, the selfish and the arrogant things and the the fleshly things uh, make the anointing stink. It makes our oil stink. It makes our oil bad. You know, how many of you, uh, you, you campers, you outdoors people, you got a kerosene lamp. That kerosene lamp, that oil, you got to change it out every so often. Amen. Otherwise, it'll start to, to, to throw out a bad smoke. Am I right? And then what else do you got to do? You got to trim the wick that's on top of it. The wick that, that burns that oil always has to be a clean wick. It's got to be fresh all the time. It can't be a, an old one from last camping season or the last time you used that lamp or the last time you used that grill. You got to clean the wick. You got to change out the oil. It's got to be fresh. It's got to be free from moscas and flies and, and, and all the carnal things. It's got to be free from, from criticism, free from jealousy, free from envy and strife and debate and rebellion, free from anger and selfishness and stubbornness and resentment and unforgiveness and bitterness and anger. And the list goes on and on and on. Because it doesn't matter how anointed you are. If you are carnal minded, if you have carnality, uh, if you have any of those things and you, you think you're all that in a bag of takis, uh, it causes your anointing to stink. Amen. Somebody say amen. I saw the mood change. Why did it change? It's God's word. That's good. God's word all of a sudden. God, isn't God good all the time? And all the time he's what? Good. Amen. That's God's word. That's good word. Because I want to have fresh oil. I want to, you know, we sing the song, fresh anointing fall on me. I mean, you guys want me to sing it? No? Amen. We want a fresh anointing. Amen. You and I, Christians, believers, people are watching us. And we're supposed to send out a sweet aroma to God. Pure and honest and humble and always full of joy. That's what draws people to the fire. Amen. That's what draws people to the fire. You know, there are some people that, oh my God, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. I used to work with this guy at work who was, who was a Christian. And, and oh, my God, one day he would come in singing the songs and, and, and jumping for joy. And get the God, God is good. He's good all the time. And then the next day he walks in cursing everybody out. And I'd have to call him into the office. Brother, you can't do that, brother. Oh, I'm having a bad day. And they, 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 they. I said, hey, so did Jesus. I said, how are you supposed to one day you're telling everybody, hey, inviting customers to church. Man, I go to this church, powerful. Man, God moves. He can save you, get baptism, get woo, all this other stuff. And then the next day that customer sees him cussing everybody out. You think that brother's gonna, that person's gonna come and visit his church? Or somebody always walking around boohooing, crying, backslidden three times out of the month? Always with their head down, always defeated, been in the church five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Always boohooing. I can't get out of this. The devil's got me on the run. But yeah, you're inviting people. People are going to come to your church. They see you defeated all the time. They're going to think your God is still on the cross hanging like the Catholic church. My God is alive and my God is well and my God is power and my God is confidence and my God's authority. And so why? Well, that's why we walk with our heads up and our shoulders back. Why? Not because we're arrogant, uh, but because we know who our daddy is. Uh, and, those, and though he walked before us, uh, nothing can be against us. 
Amen. The Bible says this in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 8. He says, let your garment always be white and let your head lack no oil. And so the garment speaks of the life that you live. You see, people see your garments. Amen. They see my suit. They see my shoes. Amen. They see my glasses. They see my shirt. They see my socks. Well, they until I pull up my pants. But people see your garments. And he says this. He says, check this out. Let your garment always be white. And let your head lack no oil. And so the garment speaks of the life that you and I live. Amen. It speaks of the life that others can see. Amen. And so it's the outward expression. Listen to this. Somebody hashtag it. It's the outward expression of an inward possession. We are to live an outward expression of an inward possession. They need to see God in you. They need to see God in you. They need to see God in you. And they need to see God in you. If you claim to be a believer, can somebody give them a hand praise as we come to a close? Amen. Everybody to their feet, please. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I was telling my wife today, I says, I'm more excited. I think God's word is always good and it's always excited, but I'm, I'm more excited for the altar call. Proverbs 4 and 8 says, That the path of the just, that's us, the just, the believers, the followers. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect law, the perfect day. You know, church, that right there means that our light, that our fire is supposed to get bigger and it's supposed to get brighter. We are to be a people, Brother Albert, that are so that are so on fire that we're just consuming. And you know what fire is? Fire is contagious. Fire spreads. If you're not on fire, you ain't gonna catch nothing on fire. If you're not a consuming fire, you know, there's a lot of fires in, in California over the course of a few years. Fires in Oregon and cities were burning down, whole cities. And the worst time to have a fire is when it's windy because the timbers are blown every which way. And I want to believe with all of my heart that as 120 prayed in the upper room and the fire was there and the rushing mighty wind was letting us know that, hey, that fire needs to go from person to person, from house to house, from business to business, from job to job, from place to place. But in order for that to happen, somebody's got to be on fire. 
somebody can I just get one individual today that'll that'll say I'm on fire God and go and touch something and go and touch somebody and go and touch your situation and and go and touch your marriage and go and touch your children and cause that fire to, to get on them and to be a consuming fire in their life too God no longer wants us to go around just throwing ash everywhere at everybody. Throw fire. There's a cartoon. That we used to watch back in the day. Called the Fantastic Four. Oh, brother, oh, brother one. You know, there's a character by the name of Johnny. Amen? There's a character, one of the Fantastic Four, his name was was Johnny. And you know what happened? What happened to Johnny? Every time he yelled, Flame on! Every time he yelled, Flame on! He would turn into this fireball. And this guy could fly on fire. He could throw fire. He touched fire. He was fire. And so I want to challenge somebody today to turn to your neighbor and tell him, Flame on! Flame on! And be on fire for God! Flame on! Tell him, Flame on, brother! Flame on, sister! And be on fire for God that everything you touch, uh, everything you come around, uh, everywhere you go, uh, everything's a consuming fire. When your wife tries to fight with you, say, Flame on! When your husband gets all crazy, say, Flame on! Just walk away and say, Flame on! That'll be the new new fighting word in your house. Well, flame on. No, you flame on. No, you flame on. No, you flame on. No, you. Amen. And I, I, you know, church, I know it sounds funny. People may be saying, man, pastor's a clown. But how many of you got the message? How many of you got the message? It's the foolishness of preaching that saved our souls. It's the foolishness of preaching that brings people to the altar. It's the foolishness. You don't have to be uh, eloquent in your words and, and just don't say no bad words. But you got to, you know, you don't have to be a, it's not theology that wins people. It's God's word. It's God's fire. And so just for a little bit, I want to open up this altar. I'm, I, I was more excited about the altar than I was everything else. Because I truly believe that there are some people that need to come to this altar and remove the ash. As a matter of fact, brother, as a matter of fact, sister, I want you to bring the ash here to me. Bring it. Bring the ash here. Amen. This altar is open.